Worthy is your name, O resurrected Lord, indeed. Indeed. Our hearts continue in prayer for Roy Fraley, who was taken by EMS earlier during our Bible class time. We want to uh, continue to remember him. We'll update everyone as soon as we know uh, something more. So we ask everyone here, all of you online, uh, to continue to be prayerful for Roy and for those close to him, many of whom are in this room, and also uh, for others that we've mentioned today who are on our prayer list. I appreciate Grant uh, and his shepherd's prayer time. I also appreciate uh, Stan Clark for stepping in during our Lord's Supper time. That was not the original plan. Nothing to say about how Stan does that. He did a great, great job as always. Uh, But initially, Joyce and I, I had asked our son-in-law, Brian Tyndall from Maryland, to uh, share at the Lord's Supper. And uh, uh, Brian and Amy had recently been to the Holy Land. Grant mentioned that during his shepherd's prayer time, that what an impact that made on him. And I know it made an impact on Brian and Amy. And so I had asked him uh, to lead our communion today because we knew they were going to be in town as our our other daughter, Amanda, and Paul, her husband, and Isaac, our wonderful grandson. And they're all, uh, they were all going to be here. But as you know, because of the accident that took place with their closest friends in Memphis, when they were on their way to Texas uh, to meet up with Amy and Brian here, um, uh, Brian and Amy have been in Memphis uh, this whole time for about a week and a half. We're hoping that they can go home uh, either tomorrow or Tuesday. Uh, That family continues in need of prayers and the loss of uh, Quinn, one of their 13-year-old girls, 13 or 14. And Cole is the only one, as far as we know, that is still in the hospital. And he's uh, having some setbacks because of a collapsed lung. They are all still in Memphis. And so we appreciate everyone's prayers uh, for them and for us. Uh, Thank you for that and for that wonderful prayer today, Grant. Um, It is great to to be able to share in the joy of the Alvey family and the whole Taylor clan. There's a bunch of them, and we love them all. And and, um, uh, Jolie was baptized last night in a bathtub at LTC. And that is, uh, I saw a few pictures of that, and it is uh, just an amazing, wonderful thing. She is a wonderful, wonderful young woman. And uh, so much faith in that family, so many wonderful examples of faith, and so many examples of faith in this church family that have had an impact uh, on Jolie. And on all of those young people that are there, if you can uh, listen in to uh, a a post that Marla Canifax had on Facebook that I shared, some of you have shared, of uh, a lot of the Leadership Training for Christ kids singing in the hotel lobby. I believe the song was Sanctuary. And that is, uh, boy, that was, I'm sure that was an incredible moment for everyone that was there. But just being able to watch it and and realize that's what they were doing, that is uh, an amazing thing as well. Continue to remember uh, those who are there in Dallas at LTC. They're having a worship there this morning, and then they will be on their way on the highway back here. So be prayerful and concerning, uh, concerned for them. Also, of course, uh, be here this coming Sunday and continue to pray for our church family, for all of our current elders and deacons and those who will be appointed this coming Sunday. Uh, what a blessing that service will be. And what a great future God has for this church. And he's providing us leadership to be able to uh, help us to be faithful during all of the wonderful challenges and opportunities that he has uh, for us here as a part of the West Irwin Church of Christ. We appreciate everyone's prayers and participation online, all that are here 
uh, all that are traveling and uh, all that are a part of this church family. Uh, it is such a great thing. It is Easter Sunday, and though we uh, don't have any call in Scripture to say one time a year we want you to celebrate the resurrection of Christ in a very special way, nothing unbiblical about doing that because we're being faithful to what is concerning Scripture. And that is that we celebrate the, resur- the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the DBR, <laughs> the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus every single Sunday, every single Lord's Day. Because there was a Sunday almost 2,000 years ago when um, that tomb was found empty. And they went early in the morning. Those faithful, godly women were the first to be there, were the first to see the resurrected Lord, to interact with Him, to take the message back to the apostles. He is risen. He is risen just like he said, and now he's calling for you. Uh, Such a great and amazing, incredible uh, story. And so it's right for us to remember that in a special way um, today. Uh, There are three instances in the Gospels where Jesus himself raised someone from the dead. Do you remember who they are? Today starts a new series. It's just going to be this month. It's going to take a break next Sunday as we appoint these wonderful men to be servant leaders of our church. But today and then in two weeks in the last Sunday of the month, we're going to be talking about resurrections. And specifically the resurrections that Jesus did in the Gospels. And in the Gospels, there's really only three accounts of someone that Jesus raised from the dead. Perhaps you remember them. Uh, One is the son of a widow from the town of Nain. Uh, She was a widow. She had no husband. This was her only child, her only son. And so Jesus stopped the funeral procession, put his hands on the casket, making himself ceremonially unclean, and raised that young man from the dead and presented him back uh, to his grieving mother. What a great moment. Another of those instances was a synagogue ruler by the name of Jairus. Uh, Jairus and his wife had lost their daughter, Uh, She was sick. He sent word to Jesus for him to come. Jesus waited along and had some ministry to do along the way. And then they got the news that she had died. And Jesus said, don't worry, just believe. And said, "We're, we're still going. And they kept going and they got to his house. And even though everyone there was grieving because she had died, Jesus took Uh, his parents up to her room and Peter, James, and John and raised that young girl uh, from the dead. The last one is probably the one that you remember most of all. uh, And uh, that is from John 11 and that's the wonderful story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, all very close friends of Jesus as the Gospels indicate. And when Jesus got the word that Lazarus had died, he waited four days and then they went and he had been in the tomb And Jesus announced to Martha and to all, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. So I'm excited about this new new series. I'm excited about getting into those stories. Uh, It's starting in a couple of weeks for two Sundays. But we begin this series with what could be the fourth person Jesus raised from the dead. And the very most significant one. In fact, this would be number one. And it's the Lord Jesus himself. But more on that in a few moments. Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God and Lord of all with power. By his resurrection 
from the dead. We discussed for a little bit in our Bible class this morning, and Stan alluded to that as we gathered around the table today, to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That uh, with the, the whole gospel of Christ, the church, Christianity itself, stands or falls on the basis of the truth and veracity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just as Paul shares, as, uh, as Stan mentioned in Luke in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus has not been raised, what are we doing here? Y'all can watch something else on TV if, we, if Jesus was not raised. We can go do something else or get started early on Easter lunch, whatever that might be. If Jesus has not been raised, there is no use at all for us to be here. Because this is vain. It's all a waste of time. But we believe that Jesus did rise from the dead. And Paul accounts that in 1 Corinthians 15. And he gives account after account of those who saw him. They saw him dead and then they saw him very much alive. And that includes all 11 of those surviving apostles. That includes Matthias who would be added to replace Judas Iscariot. That includes Paul the apostle who saw Jesus years later face-to-face, in the middle of being uh, the lead prime man persecuting the church and then becoming the leader of the missionary efforts and the spread of the gospel. It was an amazing thing. And we read those stories in the four gospels at the end about the resurrection of Christ and all of those wonderful stories uh, that are there, beginning with the women who go to the tomb and thinking, they're wondering, who's going to roll that stone away? That stone is too, too big for us to roll away. But it was already rolled away, and the angel was there announcing that Jesus was not here. He has been raised, just like he said. They made this uh, lame story that the apostles, the disciples came, and they stole the body away. These disciples that all fled for their lives when Jesus was arrested... And yet they came and overpowered an extra Roman guard that the Jews had made sure Pilate put there, according to Matthew 27, to make sure that this story didn't go any further. This man claimed he would be raised from the dead on the third day. Let's make sure that somebody doesn't come and steal the body away and claim that that he was. Everything about this story points to the veracity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The changed lives of the disciples, the willingness to put their lives on the line and even give their lives for the sake of this story. And there's only one thing that could change them, and that is seeing Jesus alive after they had seen him dead. There was no turning back, and they refused to turn back. And that is why this story, this day, this celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so vital and is a core part of that core doctrine of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is that important at all? Well, it's important because you and I can't save ourselves. You and I, in our frustration, in our weakness, and in our sin, need a Savior. We're sheep who need a shepherd. I found a a short 30-second or so video that really illustrates very well our plight. And this is what it is.
этой стороны, против солнца. Everybody see themselves in that video? We all do. We all do. I love the comments that accompany this video. The story of my life, someone said. Someone else put this, and I appreciate this one a lot. Logging off Twitter for the day, then going back on. <laughs> yes. Someone wrote, me fixing my parents' computer. <laughs> Isaac, that means you fixing your grandparents' computer, just in case you were wondering about that. Uh, Someone wrote, me and Jesus on a regular basis. And then someone else said, that's why Jesus called us sheep. Isaiah said, centuries before Jesus was born, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And so this morning, very briefly, I want us to look at John chapter 10 and say this. Jesus is the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. One of the unique things about this account of the resurrection of Jesus before he was even killed is Jesus claims not only that he will die for the sheep as the good shepherd, he claims not only that he will be raised from the dead, but he claims that he will do it. John chapter 10, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who, does, <clears throat> anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all the sheep, when he has brought out his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says again in verse 14. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. 
This command I received from my Father. Like much of John's teaching, it's an astounding lesson. It's an astounding lesson that this is what Jesus came for. This is what he has the power to do. This is what he has the heart to do. To lay his life down for the sheep and to take it up again. So a few things, a few statements about this passage. Number one, the good shepherd is not a thief. He says that several times. The good shepherd is not a thief, and that puts him in a different role than a thief. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, Jesus says. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Have that abundant life. The good shepherd brings that. The thief doesn't, but the good shepherd can and does. Number two, the good shepherd is not a hired hand. Jesus says a hired hand, when push comes to shove, they'll walk or run. <laughs> they don't want to put their lives on the, on the line for somebody else's sheep. Jesus says, these are my sheep. I'm the good shepherd. And when the wolf comes, then I'm going to be there. And we think of David in Psalm 23, that great shepherd psalm saying, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. That good shepherd is with me, David says. And his rod and his staff comfort and protect me. Number three, the good shepherd knows the sheep. The good shepherd knows the sheep. Jesus says, they, they know me, they know my voice, and they'll follow me. I shared a story a few years ago and was reminded of it again this week of a, of a tour guide who was talking to a group of tourists and he says, you know, in the West, shepherds lead their sheep from the back and prod them along. But in the East, a shepherd leads his sheep from the front because they know his voice and he calls out to them and they follow him. Wherever that voice is going, that's where they're going. And so they came upon, this tourist group came upon a, a group of, of sheep and a man who was leading them, but he was leading them from the back and just kind of prodding them along. And the people asked the tour guide, what's up with that? And, and the tour guide said, well, I got to find out. And so he goes and he asks that man, what are you doing? I, I thought shepherds were supposed to lead from the front with their voice. And he said, well, shepherds do that. But you see, I'm not the shepherd, I'm the butcher. And that's the difference between the good shepherd and those who only intend to harm the sheep. The good shepherd knows the sheep. Number four, the good shepherd is the gate for the sheep. One of those great I am statements Jesus makes a couple times in this passage. I am the gate for the sheep. It's another way of saying what he says in John 14 verse 6. In another great I am statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one what? No one comes to the Father except through me. No one gets to the Father except through the gate. And I am the gate. I am the way. The good shepherd is the gate for the sheep. Number five, the good shepherd dies for the sheep. Jesus says that in verse 11 and in verses 14 and 15. The good shepherd dies for the sheep. And the only reason we're here today is because Jesus was born and he lived and he died on the cross and he was raised from the dead. And the tomb is empty. 
And our only hope for salvation is in someone else to come and save our lives. And Jesus did just that. We're like that sheep that gets pulled out of the ditch and immediately just bounds around a little bit and right back in. That's us. That's me. And that's why I need a Savior. And that's why you need a Savior. And that's why Jesus is the good shepherd. The cross of Christ is the central event in time and eternity. Oswald Chambers writes, and the answer to all the problems of both. It's the central event of history. He says this, the cross was the place where God and sinful man merged with a tremendous collision and where the way to life was opened. And then he says this, but all the cost and pain of the collision was absorbed by the heart of God. That's why this is such good news. That's why we call it gospel Just as Isaiah had said in chapter 53, by his stripes we're healed. He took upon himself the punishment that was due us. The beatings we deserved, he took. The cross that we should have been nailed on, he was nailed on. And yet he was raised from the dead. Jesus paid it all. We're going to sing in just a moment. And then, of course, number six which makes everything worthwhile. The good shepherd rises from the dead for the sheep. And I think those words of Jesus in verses 17 and 18 are amazing. And they're just as bold as when Jesus claimed we were talking in our Bible class today about things that stick out from this story. And Matt Hawes, who will be one of the ones appointed as an elder along with John Shaw next Sunday, Matt said, I am, I am, Because Jesus claimed to be I am. And because he said the one thing that would cause him to be condemned. He confessed himself that he is God. That he is the one who is the son of God. And it put him on the cross for our sins. Death abounded in America in 2020 and 2021. I don't need to tell you that. We all know that. We lived it. We experienced it. During those years, 2020 and 2021, when you compare them to the deaths in 2019, there was a 19% rise in deaths. Typically, from year to year, it's 1.63. We're very familiar with death. They were very familiar with death in the Civil War days. Over 600,000 lives were lost during the Civil War years. Christianity Today recently had an article that said this, What impact today's pandemic deaths will have on American culture remains to be seen. During the Civil War response, there was a rise in the importance of family photographs. There was a rapid growth in the, in the practices of certain kinds of spiritualism to try to communicate with the dead. And there was an increased attention to cemeteries because there were a lot of people buried. They write, one shift because of the pandemic today is notably uh, stated. The percentage of people age 40 and older who say that religion is very important in the funeral of a loved one has gone up for the first time in a decade. You may be surprised to know that the majority of Americans don't think that that spiritual aspect is especially essential during a funeral. That seems odd to us because we, that's where our hope is because of the resurrection. 
Sarah Jones, an atheist raised in a strict evangelical home, wrote about this experience when her grandfather died. She said, I could plant a flag for my grandfather, but the gesture feels thin. I don't know what exactly I would want from a memorial, whether it's catharsis or meaning or something else altogether. I thought several hundred times this year, maybe I should go to church. This atheist woman that couldn't find any hope in the death of her loved grandfather said, maybe, maybe I should go to church. And she thinks that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We hold on to the hope that we have for our loved ones, for ourselves, for our children and grandchildren because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the good news of the gospel is the tomb is empty. The good news of the gospel is they tried and tried and tried to come up with all kinds of stories, but the one thing that they couldn't do that would have stopped it from the start was produce the body, and they never could. They knew exactly where it was buried. They had put a seal of the emperor on there. They had put an extra Roman guard on there. There was no way that that body was going to be moved unless it was by God. And it was by the Son of God himself. I have the authority and the power and the love to lay it down. And I have the power to raise it back up again. And he did. Two statements as we close. First of all, the good shepherd could not be held by death. That showed his power. He could not be held by death. That showed his power as the good shepherd. And it reminds us of why this is all worthwhile. That great chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 ends this way. Your work and your labor in the Lord is not in vain because the tomb is empty. I believe Jesus said everything he said in 1 Corinthians 15 to get to that statement in verse 58. You keep on working and serving for the Lord. Why? Because it's not in vain. Why? Because the tomb is empty. And that's where our hope is. The good shepherd could not be held by death. That showed his power. The good shepherd did not have to die for the sheep. That showed his love. The Son of God himself, the creator and sustainer of the universe, is the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for us, his sheep, because he loved us. And the good shepherd was raised from the dead because of the power he had to lay that life down and to raise it up again. He knows we are that sheep that jumps back into the ditch after Jesus has delivered and rescued us, and that's why he came and lived and died. And he came and lived and died and was raised for you. If you need to do what Jolie did, I promise you, you won't have to go into a bathtub It'll just be something that kind of feels like a bathtub, a very large bathtub. We would love to do that for you today or any day. Jesus paid it all, and he paid it all for you. If you need to respond to that act of power and love, come as we stand, sing our song together. I hear.